1: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Callie, and Callie was in a toxic friendship with a victim-playing narcissist in her Ph.D. program. It's a story of people-pleasing, mirroring, ghosting, breadcrumbing, and betrayal. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Callie. How are you?
0: I am great. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, and I want to thank you for being here with us today. You're going to share your story. This is a toxic friendship story, but it is also one that has to do with your school program. It was your PhD program for you, and an ultimate betrayal happened uh, there that you uh, didn't see coming, especially when you don't know that these things or these types of people uh, exist, and they show you a facade of who they are. Uh, that you have no idea what's hiding behind uh, that facade. So I really want to thank you uh, for being here with us today, Callie. And now, without further ado, Callie, the floor is now yours.
0: Yeah. So um, I grew up in the rural Midwest, um, had a very large extended family. There were about eight of us. Um, I was the oldest child. Um, And so that, you know, especially in a large Midwestern family, the role of responsibility and people-pleasing often falls to the eldest child. And especially if the eldest child is uh, assigned female at birth, and so I had a lot of the, you know, responsibility of taking care of the, the family members, uh, making sure that the house ran smoothly, dishes were done, things of that nature. Um, and it was really a fast track to learning that the way you gain people's respect and acknowledgement and in some ways even their love was by doing things for them by, you know, I knew I would always get a compliment and a, you're a good, you know, you're a good girl from my dad when I did the dishes. <laughs> and so it, it, you know, that's the type of lesson that builds up. And if you, you know, want love and acknowledgement, do things for people.
1: So you had this people pleasing mentality going on mm-hmm. and you eventually leave the home and so, before you uh, enter your PhD program, there's many years uh, in between. So, tell us what your life was like in between.
0: So, it was a little, it was a uh, a very interesting uh, period of time. I didn't go to college right out of high school because we were low income. Um, my uh, my father actually passed away about. Two months after I graduated high school, so I ended up staying in the hometown to, you know, help my mom and and the rest of my relatives. Um, when I turned 25, I left home, uh, started work in politics and uh, nonprofits, and when I was 30. Uh, realized that I couldn't stand on the street corner trying to get people to join an environmental nonprofit any longer. Like I had to do something with my life. Uh, so I went back to school and ended up uh, going to a famous uh, Northwestern University uh, where I did really well um, and then was able to go directly from there to a large uh, Northeastern University to do my master's and my PhD work.
1: So, you end up going to uh, this university at this point of your life. Uh, did you know like like people like uh, the person you're about to encounter exist in the world? Uh, have you had anyone in your life like that previously that you're on the lookout for, or is this really um, going to be your first foray into someone who has um uh, maybe a disorder or is just a truly um evil uh human being
0: you know i had seen people on the peripheries um and so i i wasn't so naive as to to think that that people like this didn't exist i hadn't had direct experience with them because again I'm, you know, super, super easygoing. I want, you know, folks to like me. And for the most part, people who run into me are like, yeah, you're, you're really nice, you know, and you're a good person to know. And so I've had a trail of really good relationships behind me. Um, so I had no idea I was about to walk into something that would change my life. So I um, spent the first year getting a master's degree, uh, which a master's degree in a year is not an easy task, uh, but I powered through it, was, you know, looking forward to what the next steps were going to be uh, in terms of moving forward with my PhD. And so I had just entered my first full year of, of the PhD program when this person uh, started coming to our, uh, in academia, they're called brown bags. They're, um, you know, basically special topic meetings where everybody from the department comes in and and listens to a a speaker. And so she started showing up to these brown bags. And um, after the brown bags, we would have pub. And so we would go to the pub uh, for an informal drink, uh, the professors and the the, uh, graduate students. And so at pub one day, uh, it was suggested to me that I would be really good friends with this person. Um, and because I had only been at this university for a year, I was, you know, still looking for friends, looking for a friend group. And, um, because I am a bit older, it, it's easier for me to make friends with older students um and so this person was a uh, a postdoc so hi- hierarchically they were above me as a grad student and they seemed like they had a lot of experience and so i uh, began began talking to them um more and more and fast forward to you know that was that was 2019 in the fall fast forward to um, late February of 2020.
1: So before we fast forward, I just want to explain to everyone that the person that story is about, they are a postdoctoral researcher and they are there to gain more experience. This person already has their PhD and people in these positions Uh, then go two to three years, uh, with a different advisor than they one than the one they had for their PhD program. They use different methods and they go to different topic areas. And this person specifically was told that they needed a higher, to be in a higher status publication, to have something published in a higher status publication, Because the other things that they had done were not high status enough. And the more high status uh, publications you are in, uh, the better reputation you can get in this uh, in academia. And that means uh, a a better job is on the horizon when when these things happen at a a more prestigious universities. So uh, I hope that explains that. And Callie, I cut you off. So continue from there.
0: Uh, Right before COVID began, we had one last in-person conference, and we really cemented our friendship at that conference, and then COVID hit. Um, And so this person had already opened up the door to friendship, and then when, when COVID occurred, we all needed to have COVID bubbles of friends. And so this person became my COVID bubble. Um, however, as this is happening, I'm getting, you know, her side of a story that was um quite complicated. And, of course, she, this person made it seem like, oh, all of these other problems are somebody else. I'm not the problem. It's everybody else. And so what I saw was somebody who was in need of a friend, who had had a very tough life, according to them, and had also grown up low socioeconomic status, first gen, uh, first generation college student. And so I felt a kinship with them. Um, So I didn't think it was odd when they moved from their apartment in the middle of a pandemic to an apartment that was a block away from me.
1: So this person right here, we don't know if all of it is true of what they're saying. We really have no idea, but they're playing uh, the victim card. Uh, They are blaming everyone else for things that are going on. Uh, they are, uh, if it's true or not, it, it's mirroring or mirrors your, uh, upbringing. So yes. at this point you are just have a good connection with, with this person.
0: Yes. Uh, just have a good connection with this person. Uh, we, you know, Zoom every Friday night for for a Zoom happy hour while things were really rough uh, in the early periods of COVID. uh, When things opened back up uh, in the summer of 2020, we would, you know, co-work outside. Um, Even even to the point that uh, holiday time of 2020, she made Christmas dinner and like, I, we, we spent Christmas Eve Zooming together, eating this dinner that she prepared. I spent my holiday with this person. We were that close. And so, but again, she's now been thrown out of one lab. The lab she was in when I met her, she was removed from that lab. Now she's in my lab. And so now things are getting a little bit more intense because I'm starting to see that, that you know, idea she has that everything is everyone else's fault is being laid at my PhD advisor's feet. And so everything that is occurring and her and the PhD advisor are butting heads comes back to me. And so now I am having to play the middleman in a relation in, in what is now becoming a three way relationship where I have to have a good relationship with my advisor. I have to spend the next five years with this person getting me through a PhD. But then every day I have to hear this other, this friend, you know, talk shit about my advisor. And I spent a year calming her down, calming this other person down, this friend down, keeping her, keeping her responses moderate. So she doesn't fly off the handle at my advisor. My advisor had no idea that I had been playing the middleman and I had kept things from being so much worse so early. And I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that because I couldn't stand the thought of conflict in that relationship. So I did that through April of 2021. And that's where things
1: change. So when it comes to this person, them being in your pod uh, for this process, what is their actual role for you?
0: Well, initially it was friend and informal mentor. And then it changed in April of 2021 where uh, my advisor in the lab um said you two should work on a project together and so it stopped being friend and informal mentor and then became official collaborators so now we have this personal relationship percolating and it's been percolating for about a year and a half two years and now we have this professional relationship and it has always been important for me to keep my personal and professional relationship separate. And so this is already getting to a point where I'm like, eh, I don't really know how to navigate this. And I start to see some warning signs pop up.
1: So uh, just to make clear for everyone that there are two projects going on. There is the project. And there is the dissertation. And at a certain point, the project and the dissertation began coalescing or uh, coming together. And most people in these programs, in these PhD programs, choose projects that have at least something to do with their dissertation uh, topic. So this research project that was going on, and specifically one part of this research project project would eventually become part of, uh, your, uh, dissertation and for your PhD that you and your main advisor, uh, agreed upon and for a dissertation to meet its qualifications, the student who is doing the this dissertation has to be what is considered, uh, the first author, on uh, the dissertation. And this is just something that is, um, you know, between everyone in, in these pods and within the schooling program knows that when someone's working on their dissertation, that the student is going to be the, the, the first author uh, of this uh, type of project for their eventual PhD. And Callie, can you also explain, I guess, the process of a dissertation And, uh, I guess everyone's role within it, because I I assumed before this, that it was just one person doing their work by themselves and they had people that they bounced their ideas off who were their mentors or their, uh, professors who are, I guess the the ones in charge, uh, and maybe a board, but I thought it would mainly be, you're doing the work by by yourself, but I don't think that that's how it actually works. And you're about to tell me
0: yeah so there is there is very little research that actually occurs at least in the field of uh at least in the field that i am in there is very little work that occurs in a vacuum so with the project that that i started that i had been working on for, for two years it was you know not only myself and my phd advisor but there were at least five other people involved in some aspect. So one person cleaned the data, you know, three were professors who weighed other professors from other universities who weighed in on what questions we should be asking and how we should ask them. And so every project for the most part has multiple people involved. A dissertation Is essentially, you know, could be many things, but the way we envisioned my dissertation was going to be a series of these papers that told a story. And so what that looks like in, in practice is I have my PhD advisor, and then I have two or three other professors who are on my dissertation committee. And so that's the official group of people who look at what me and the other folks have been doing and are like, yeah, this makes sense, you know, or maybe you should try this or maybe you should try that. Um, and so we had this idea that we were going to put three projects together that were all, you know, about generally the same thing. And that was, that was to be the dissertation. And uh, it, where the problems come in is at least in my story is where somebody else who was a collaborator. So in this case, the the friend in question became a collaborator on that project.
1: And uh, what, one more thing to clear up before we continue, uh, how long does it take to complete a dissertation? And uh, after your dissertation is complete and approved, you have your PhD.
0: Yes. So the length of time it takes to complete a dissertation differs Um, at the university uh, I was attending uh, completion to dissertation is suggested in four years. Most people do it in five. You can, you know, sometimes stretch it to six Um, but it is a very time intensive endeavor.
1: And is it uncommon for someone to become a partner with what you were doing in the way that it happened for you.
0: It is uncommon and hindsight being what it is. um, I now know how uncommon it was, but there is a lot of unspoken curricula in academia where if you're, if you're the first person in your family to go this route, um, you don't have a lot of the background knowledge, and sometimes, sometimes it's school of hard knocks, which is how you learn it. But this, you know, ultimately, your advisor should protect you and be like, "Oh no, you shouldn't do this." Uh, but that's where this other, this other person, this "quote unquote" friend, you know, kind of caused chaos.
1: So beforehand. Before, like I guess right as this relationship starts, just so I can be a little bit more clear. Um, If there was less chaos going on, there might have been more uh, voices that were able to say this isn't a good idea. But there was so much chaos that that the true advisor on the project really didn't want to be involved or just was like eh, do whatever you're going to do. I don't like these arguments that are happening already.
0: In some ways, it was really the second. It was like, oh, I don't like these arguments that are happening. You're an adult. You should figure it out. Um, But I don't want to underestimate what it was like being a a PhD student in a pandemic.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And having, so especially a new PhD student. So a lot of us you know really put our our heads down to the grindstone and knocked out our our you know my cohort we all knocked out our masters thesis you know pretty easily and then we were kind of regrouping cuz this was officially start of year 1 and um you know not having those cohort friendships established to really have the friend base to look and say oh no this is not a good idea like that. I didn't have that. And so all I had was this person telling me this is okay.
1: And this this person is your friend who has, who's moved down the street from you already. Yes. And they are making this suggestion. So why would you think that something is wrong? Because they're, they've been around the block They've done this type of project before. They do research type projects. You've heard stuff about them in the past, but they're your friend. You know, that's not going to happen to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and that was, that was my, my thought. And so what, what happens when two academics get together and they have not a lot to talk about? They talk about research. And I, you know, have been talking about my topic area, uh, to just about anybody who will listen <laughs> for six or seven years. Um, it has been a passion of mine. And so I talked to my friend about this. And so, um, it didn't seem strange or seem like something I shouldn't do because I had no, at the time, the person was coming from a parallel, but not intersecting field of research. So I saw no harm in discussing my ideas with them. That was wrong because they took those ideas, uh tried to, without having the knowledge of how to do anything uh in this field, Uh, asked my advisor for questions I had developed for our long running study. My advisor gave them those questions and so they ran a study that mirrored, uh, what I wanted to do. And that was why in like April of 2021, my advisor said, oh, the two of you should work on this together because My advisor thought this is a good, you know, this person knows their statistical analyses. This person already has their PhD. This would, you know, and they are pushing my advisor to mentor someone. They want to mentor someone in the lab and they want it to be me. And so my advisor finally says, go ahead. And that's. That was the entryway for this person into my into my dissertation project
1: do you know about this similar project that's going on simultaneously i I knew
0: that I knew while we were collecting data that they wanted to collect data on something very similar, but they but they they were saying that it was going to be in their field that it was going to look at socioeconomic status but in their area and they were using my socioeconomic status questions and so i had mentioned to my advisor at that point in time hey i'm a little concerned this isn't this person's area and they're getting a little close and my advisor said you know People will be working in your area always. You know, don't worry about it. And so I didn't worry about it.
1: So to explain this best in layman's terms, we have, Callie has a project that is also part of her dissertation. And then the other person has their project. And they're both related to fruit. They're about different fruits. Callie's is apples, the person that the story is about is doing oranges, but they're still both in the, in the family of of fruit. So there can be crossover that could go on. And once this other person gets their hands on the subset of questions that Callie has created, all of a sudden things get a little bit murkier as far as their projects go, because now there, there could be problems of overlap and things along those lines but at the same time you can also see things here in the sense of this person's getting more involved um, with the subset of questions and the work that Callie has created which then eventually become a big problem of whose project is this and so I guess my next question would be uh, what happens next with your uh, project and uh, dissertation
0: we um, We started trying to put this project together um, and what what really ended up you know happening was and, and something that i I should have should have clued into as a red flag is that this person you know we go out every Friday night because at this point patios were still kind of patios were opening up a little bit more. Um, And so, you know, starting in May, June, we go out every Friday night to a patio and work on this project. And by mid-June, so we started in April, by mid-June, we had gotten almost nowhere. This person was supposed to teach me how to pre-register research, which is a, you know, very hot-button topic, Um, and so, you know, I was going to learn how to pre-register my research. We were going to do this huge, you know, huge project. She just doesn't do anything, and I recall very distinctly sitting on a patio in late June of 2021, looking at her and saying, you seem very stressed. Let's take this off your plate. And she said, no, that what she needed was a deadline. And so instead of taking it off of her plate, she then flipped it and said, why don't we just apply for this conference? And so just to to clarify really quickly, in academia, you do the work and you write a paper and the paper gets published. But also you present this work at academic conferences. And usually that's either a poster or a five to 15 minute talk. And so I had tried to get her off this project. And instead, she's like, why don't we take it on a roadshow? And so that's that's an interesting place to pause, to say that in the midst of all of this, I have failed. To keep the relationship between the friend and my advisor on even ground. And while my advisor is putting me on this project with this person, my advisor is actively telling this person, you need to leave my lab. So this is now lab number two. Um, And so the, This person just, you know, chopped up the fact that they weren't doing anything on the project due to the stress of trying to find another PhD program or another postdoc program. And again, blamed everything on my advisor. She couldn't focus on our project because my advisor was a terrible person. And as many ways in which you can say somebody is terrible as you can possibly imagine. And so i I really feel that my advisor didn't know what was coming. Um, My advisor and I get along well because we're very similar. Um, So I I really think that what had happened was the the postdoc hounded my advisor to be a part of something in the lab. And my advisor was trying to keep them distant and This friend just hounded my advisor and finally was like, you know, Callie can deal with it. Callie is, as we've already talked about, a people pleaser and somebody that people walk away from. And is like, that's, you know, that's a good person. And I really feel that my advisor thought that if anybody could deal with this person, it would be me. And especially because on the surface, we were friends. So um their relationship had deteriorated <laughs> and so by the time i had been asked to to join in this project uh with this person uh this person had already been asked to leave our lab and so this person found another lab um i um well let me let me step back this person found another lab uh with a another very famous researcher. Um but somehow <laughs> coerced my advisor into staying on as uh, staying on paper as one of her advisors. So she's been now kicked out of two labs, but got one of them to, to let her stay on. And so now she's moving to a completely different lab. Um, and again, this is causing chaos in our project. Um, we pulled out the conference application by the skin of our teeth. Um, I, while we were waiting for the conference application to be approved or not, I get voluntold that I am driving This person to their new location, and it's a seven and a half hour drive. And I have to rent a car under my name, and I drive this person to their new home. She presented to me that she had no other option, and I am not going to leave somebody in the lurch because I have been there too many times. And so this person needed help, and I, you know, at the time didn't mind driving that distance, and so I drove them. Um, And I thought that was the end of my problem, but it wasn't. Everything happened to her in the new town, and this, again, comes back to, I don't know, I'm not there, but what I am being told by this person was that she had been hit by a car and that was why she missed our first standing meeting. But a pattern starts to develop where we'll, she'll miss a meeting and then she won't respond to me. The first time it was a week. The second time it was two weeks. And so this is somebody who has been my closest friend, like literally like this, like, like we did everything. I really didn't have more than one other friend. It was her. And so we created these standing meetings when she moved because she kept saying, Oh, I need deadlines. And so, okay. So through September and October and November, she missed almost every meeting and would then disappear for upwards of weeks at a time with no response. And that is unfortunately one of my, like, trigger points. And especially when it's a close friend and it's somebody that, you know, is living by themselves and it's somebody who has already been like hit by a car to have them just disappear. It's like, my, my God, what happened? Are you okay? Are you in a ditch somewhere? Like, have you been hurt? And so I was just repeating this cycle of, Oh my God, where is she? Is she okay? For months, months. Um, so that, um, that became a place where I had to get my advisor back in the loop. And I started saying, started asking, you know, have you heard from this person? She's missing these meetings. I don't know what's going on. And, um, every time there was another excuse. Like the first time, it was you know. Oh well, she had a meeting with her new advisor. And it's like that's great. Okay, tell me. Don't disappear for a week. You know, um, and so, so here, here's where things start to get a little, a little quicker and a little more intense. Um, she invites herself back. To where I live for my birthday. I tell her that she doesn't need to come because she literally just moved. She's so stressed that she can't make our meetings and she wants to fly back to take me to an event for my birthday. And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, I have to come anyway. So she shows up after, you know, two months of missing meetings takes me on this whirlwind adventure for my birthday and um, you know, really emphasizes how much she wants to continue working with me and how we're such good friends and, and blah, blah, blah. Invites herself to come take care of my cat during the winter holiday. And I'm like, okay, you know, it would be, it would be great to not have to pay a cat sitter. So I, give this give my friend a deadline I'm like you know I need to know by December 1st so I can cancel the cat sitter she goes home on Sunday we are supposed to have our standing meeting on Wednesday and she so she has literally just spent a wining and dining weekend with me to then ghost me again and ghost me for the next two weeks and ghost me all the way through the front of December So to pause there, um, the conference application that we put together was approved and not only was it approved, it was approved for a 15 minute talk, which is the highest honor you can get at a conference. The only thing higher is to be actually invited to give a talk. Um, so we had to do stuff, um, on this project. And so I think, I think I need to pause and back up for just a moment because um, I've just kind of glossed over the, the, the part that's going to come back later and bite me in the rear. And that is that over the summer before she moved, we had gone to go play some video games. And the next day we met to talk about the project. And she's like, well, we need to figure out authorship. And authorship is one of the most important things for a paper because the the names, there's actually a, a hierarchical order to scientific paper authorship. And the first author is typically the student who does the most work, the student whose idea it is, who sees it through, who, you know, writes most of the manuscript. The last author is usually the advisor. It is uncommon, but you can have joint first authors. It is uncommon. It is also highly uncommon for a postdoc to demand from a under from a graduate student who is under them that they be given joint first authorship. And that is what she did. And me, not having the institutional knowledge, not knowing that this is not how this is supposed to go, not knowing that those stocks don't ask for joint first authorship, I said yes. And that that point is a, a more than anything else what's going to come back and, and be a problem.
1: So for everyone listening, we listen to stories most of the time, that are relationship stories, and then we have family stories as well. And in the relationship story, if you were to mirror them, you know what's happened here was this person came into your life. Uh, they mirrored you in in many ways. Um, they mirrored you to the point of uh, you two becoming. Uh, good friends that they were a victim player that even though you are uh trans and the other person is not uh something that hasn't been mentioned that you mentioned to me beforehand was that they even mirrored or wanted to mirror your clothing choices and style which are distinctly um yours um and and really channeling um all these little tiny aspects of you, not just who you are as a person or being a people pleaser and feeding into the people pleaser, but um, identity a little bit here uh, as well and uh, that has happened to the point where they're now with you you 're a team you can see all these red flags going on in these other parts of their lives but you're a team and just like in relationship stories, a lot of time we hear at the beginning like we're a team and then at a certain point, this person gets what they want or they get their foot into the door where they have carte blanche, they, they, I guess, to test the waters to see what they can get away with. And now the more that they're getting away with, the more brazen it becomes as far as disconnecting from you and breadcrumbing you knowing, okay, um, I can start doing what I really want to do here. I can uh, get away with everything and now, you know, I'm ghosting you, but I'm going to now force myself into, even though you had the boundary, they just forced themselves into that situation Hoovered you back into the sense of feeling, um, uh, comfortable again and immediately as it happened disappears you're back into that really no no man's land area of how you're feeling about everything uh, should you be angry should you be sad what's going on you have no idea how to feel how to process things no one is helping you you're kind of dealing with this by yourself because this is a very new experience you might be discussing things with people here or there but it's one of those things where she comes back around December, uh, and again it's like, is this person trying to help me? Are they not trying to help me? Who's who I'm like I have no control over my own ship at this point. And my emotions, my work, everything is revolving around this whirlwind of a person. It's not healthy. I have no idea what to do. And that's where we are, I guess, at the beginning of January
0: 2022. That is 100% where we are at the beginning of January 2022. Um, Great read. (laughs) Uh, That's quite accurate. Um, So it would take me literal hours to even just tell what happened between January and today. Um, I'm going to try to hit hit the highlights. Um, So highlight one uh, was that in the, the general milieu of being ghosted and having to bring my advisor into it. um, There were, my advisor stepped in and started setting deadlines and those deadlines were treated as if they didn't exist (laughs) by this, by this friend Um, and would keep blowing by them. And my advisor kept saying, oh, you know, we got to give them deadlines, blah, blah, blah. So about two weeks into January, my advisor pops up. And so previously, this project was not part of my dissertation. It was an independent project. However, because it fit so nicely into what my dissertation package was, we wanted to to take out one of the existing papers and put this one in because it really spoke to what my research interests are to do that. I needed to be listed as first author, and that's where forgive me, the shit hits the pan uh the first time because. My advisor didn't realize that this friend had made themselves joint first author. And this friend truly believed that this paper was destined for big things and didn't want to give up having their name be listed first. And this person went on a rampage. Um And it was the first time that I had been subject to one of their rampages, one of their emotional just bleh at somebody. Um, we, my advisor made a deal with this person saying, if you let Callie's name be first, on the second paper that comes out of this data set, we'll list you first. And that mollified her for a time. Um, but because of the personality that this, this friend has, um, she had to be in control. And this was uh, January 10th, January 12th. I was supposed to give my first practice talk for the conference that we had been accepted to on February 2nd. She is supposed to be, I designed the study, I ran the data, I collected the data, I, you know, did all of these other pieces. She was supposed to teach me how to do the analyses. And she refused. And she refused and refused and refused. She turned over analyses for this project less than 24 hours before I was supposed to give my first talk because she was pissy over the authorship. And so that's where I started to lose my my chill <laughs> because that's not how I work. I had been trying to get her to do this for six months. We knew since September that this was coming down the line. And she just didn't do it. And that becomes pretty much the story moving forward is she just didn't do it. She just didn't want to. Um, in March, she gets fired from postdoc number three. And at that point, my advisor says, time out. We my advisor, myself, and this friend, were supposed to have a meeting. My advisor says, "Nope, we're not having a meeting. We're not meeting you know her and my advisor aren't meeting one on one. Everything stops, and so this person starts freaking out because she knows what's coming. She knows that she's going to get removed from this fourth postdoc um And that's where things start to get tricky Um, because two weeks later she was fired. Um, So now technically she doesn't have an institution. Um, I start asking my advisor, when do we need to drop this person? Because I'm ready to drop them Um, because I can't, Abide by somebody who just doesn't do their do their work. Like I'm super empathetic and I'm super there for you if you need help, you need a friend, you need whatever. But you gotta pull your weight. Uh, and she stopped pulling her weight. Um, a couple of things are happening as this is moving on. Um, I keep telling my advisor, you know, now she, now this person has moved from. Parallel research, but not intersecting, to now my entire re- line of research is now her line of research. And it wasn't that to begin with. And I'm like, hey, advisor, she's getting real close. I'm really worried about this. And again, I got the brush off. So I knew it, starting in April of 2020 that things were going to be a problem. Because at this point um, my my regular advisor, my grad advisor, had delivered a termination letter to this to the friend um basically they they gave this person uh, until July fourth, and on July fourth they were officially terminated from our university um so they they gave her a huge runway. And they were like, whatever you can do in that span of time. Awesome. And if not, you know, you have until this date to turn over all of your analyses, all of your, you know, writing, like any of the manuscript you've written. And then, you know, your contribution is done. And when we have a manuscript, we'll get it back to you for review. We had been trying to cut, cut her gently out of the picture with this dissertation project. And, and so I knew in April that this was going to be a problem. And so there's just like all of this, this nonsense because it's like somebody threw us on a treadmill and it's like everything got sped up really quickly. Um, She now starts regularly blowing up at me. She um, said, basically laid out what my, what the, the, the linchpin project of my dissertation. She laid out doing exactly that with her own data. And I said, please don't. (laughs) Uh, And I literally said, please don't. That's that's the main part of my dissertation. And she threw a hissy fit and stopped talking to me. And I was like, well, okay. I guess if she's going to stop talking to me, this is an easy way out of this situation. I'm like, I don't know how it's, you know, don't know how it's going to shake out, but fine. I'm done talking to her. It was the happiest two weeks I'd had (laughs) in about two years. Um, and then, um, she, she sniffed out some vulnerability. I had an experience that made me a little vulnerable. I had to be public about it, uh, online. Um, and she comes back, but then literally the, the same day that she's like, oh, you know, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. I really care about you. Then it's can I stay in your hotel room at this conference? And I'm like, nope, uh, no, <laughs> no, you can't stay in my hotel room at this conference. Um, and so then she was like, well, I had another room anyway. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. You have to, to, to make everything about you in a way that is acceptable to your ego. Um, but she was great postdoc at that conference. Um, you know, really just being supportive, driving attendance to my talk, um, you know, the whole nine, but it's still getting close and getting much closer than I would, would feel comfortable with. Again, uh, we're, we're now moving into June of this year, more deadlines were broken. And so, the day that she was supposed to finally turn over all of the analyses and walk away from the project she got sick she had chest pains at the gym and spent 6 hours in the emergency room and um i was i was like well that that's a panic attack <laughs> i've had those <laughs> i've definitely had those And she was like, "No, it's the stress." The doctors say it's the stress, and so she was. She was then able to use her health, and everything became. I can't do anything because of my health. Um, An important piece to back up to is that my my regular advisor by June has said that they are dropping all projects with this person. That is, that is again, in a, a story full of unheard of, that is unheard of. For an advisor to step away from projects that are in process because they just want to cut ties with somebody, almost doesn't happen. But what, what that resulted in is the only project standing being mine. And so that became a battleground, and um, and so the last month and a half has been a battleground. So my advisor went on vacation. Um, she popped in really quickly to send an email to the to both myself and the friend, and went back. My grad advisor went back on vacation and left me with two weeks of hellish. Uh, just arguments and yelling from this person. Um, we were left with not very attractive options um, uh, as to what to do, because this this was not able to continue forward. This, this project uh, of my dissertation was not able to continue forward in the way in which it was supposed to. Um, so what we ended up doing was giving the project to this, to this friend uh, who is obviously no longer a friend, um, taking me uh, out of the lead authorship and turning it over to her. Um, However, what this did was it basically blew up my dissertation.
1: So after it blows up your dissertation, um, I guess, what do you do about it? Uh, Do you fight back on that? Or you're just like, I'm leaving this alone?
0: There is a a justice and fairness-oriented part of me that finds it very hard to abide not fighting. But I feel like this is not a personality that I want to engage in a fight with.
1: So now that you're here, and this is very fresh of, of... Six years of school, three years of uh, research project. Part of that project is your dissertation. Um, Not having your PhD at the end of this. uh, And then understanding fully that this person was never on your side. Because your friend wouldn't do that to you.
0: Right. What what I think is is funny is that after... After the decision had been made and this person was informed about the decision to just give her this project, that's when the, oh, I care about you as a friend and I care about your PhD journey, that's when all of the typical things you would expect a friend to say came out. But it was only after they got what they wanted.
1: So where are you left here? How are you feeling um, because this is, you know, a betrayal of a friend, betrayal of a mentor of sorts and, uh, to work as hard as you did in the field that you want to be in, you know, knowing that you're going to get that PhD at the end, which is, uh, to restart that whole entire process is an emotional physical labor um that you're you're going to war in a sense and you have to get yourself geared up to going back on you know that kind of um mental train you know to to get yourself into that it's a very difficult process to go through so how are you left here um and how are you feeling and doing
0: well i am left here um, thankful that I have a backup plan. Um, very, very grateful that I am moving into a, another job, but it is, God, it's such a huge source of grief. I've never had to end a friendship before. And not only did I have to end a friendship to have lost so much of the, the work that was so important to me, Um, I'm still feeling echoes of that grief. Um, I would be lying if I didn't say that there wasn't some relief because I've been dealing with this this person day in and day out for the last two years. And to not have that constant presence is in both ways a sadness and a, a great weight off my shoulders.
1: And if you had any words of wisdom or advice for everyone listening, what would it be?
0: I would say, know that people like this are out there, but don't let it, don't let it close your heart off or close you down emotionally. Um, Just know to read the warning signs. Know to, you know, if somebody starts to isolate you from other people, know that that's not a good thing. You know, if somebody starts to, you know, you're like, man, they're getting really close to my identity. Talk to people about it. Don't hide it. Um, Don't don't hide it, Uh, because things could have been caught a lot quicker if I hadn't thought I knew, you know, all the things and, and was able to handle it on my own.
1: Well, I just want you to know that, you know, you did nothing wrong. You trusted someone who came in looking like they were your friend and it's not something when you're not looking for it, it's not something you're going to, you know, be like, ha ha, I gotcha, you know? Right. So it's, it's not just, and by the time, you're trying to figure these things out, it's kind of too late because you're, you are caught in the emotional like push and pull giveth and taketh away. So I just want to remind you that you, you did nothing wrong. It's terrible what happened to you. It's really a huge betrayal and you didn't deserve it. And I'm happy that you have a plan B for yourself, at least to have a fresh start and you're going into it. But these are wounds that are going to hurt for a long time. Um, and you're not going to get closure from it. There is no closure with someone like this. Even if they apologize, it's an empty apology. So uh, just know that you're understood by all of us in the community and that we're here for you. And just a big thank you from everyone for uh, being a guest on our show today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you once again, Callie, for being on the show. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do visit our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says uh, Guest Form. Click on that button and it takes you to our Guest Form page. Read all the instructions. Send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at NarcissistApocalypse.gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form page and press the Submit button. Also at our website, we have our very own support group. So click on the support group button at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Takes you to our very own safe social network on there. We have uh, forum boards. We have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, every Thursday afternoon, every Saturday night as well. We have episodes that never made it to air on there. We have ad-free episodes on there. And if you just want to support the show, we always need your support. Please do join our support group. It helps us out a lot. And also, if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. There, you can read articles and get free resources. You can locate shelters on there as well. It's a wonderful organization. It's a wonderful website with so many great articles and resources there for you to access for free. That is at DomesticShelters.org. And now, from myself and Callie, we hope you have a good night.